Hey, all right, everyone. Welcome to the newest episode of Heal Thyself. This is episode number 22. We're doing it. We're doing it with love. We're educating everyone. I know you all love it. I love you for listening. I'm really grateful. Fridays are my favorite day. We're just going to get right to it. We got a lot to go over. Now, before I get to the knowledge bomb, I just want to uh, set out a point that I've been thinking of lately, and I think it needs to be said, is that um, ego, 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 what is the ego? It's our defense mechanism that protects us from so much in this world. And we need it. We need it. And we villainize it, but we need it, okay? Because it, it protects us. It gives us that memory. It says, oh, no, this uh, is a dangerous situation. This is not something that, this is where I've been hurt before. Let me hop out. But we also have control of our ego. And I want, to, I want everyone who's listening to understand that we are not, we are not our thoughts, okay? So pay close attention because that, that ruminating monkey mind that you've heard all of your life that's saying, oh, I need to go pay my bills, but first I need to go food shopping. But that's only after I call my friend on my phone and then I need to call my mom on the phone. That thing, that person talking is not you. you know, now you have to understand that that's not you. You are the observer of these thoughts. You are the observer of these thoughts. So with that said, if you're not identifying and the biggest trap we take, the biggest trap in life is that we always identify with those thought processes and, and believe that they are us, but they are not us. That's the most empowering thing I can tell you today because if we are not our thoughts, then what are we? Well, we're the observer of our thoughts. That awareness, you know, when you meditate, you know, when you do yoga, you know, in those instances where it feels like time doesn't exist, well, that's when you're to your closest, closest essential self, who you truly are. And who you are is the observer of those thoughts, okay? So remember, when you have a thought process and it's not serving you, believe it ain't you. It's not you. It, they are a false sense of identities, false sense of uh, experience that we're still holding on to, right? The ego is wonderful, like I said. You got hurt in the past, it's going to bring it up when you're in the same situation. But you can always choose not to identify with those thought processes from the past that you think define you because they don't. I just needed to say a little something. I'm a spiritual guy. I got to drop some bombs. Now let's get to the knowledge part of it. Bombas de knowledge, I call it in Spanish. Let's jump in there. All right, I got to go in to my favorite vitamin. I'm not even going to call it a vitamin. It's a hormone. Vitamin hormone D. Amazing stuff. You all know about it. Most of you will come into my office and go, I think I have low vitamin D. We'll test, and it's down in the dumps. It is one of the most important nutrients in the human history, all of evolutionary history, the, the history of the universe. It's amazing. I'm going to go into why. Where do we get it? Obviously, everyone, everyone and their mom knows that vitamin D is coming from the sun. Okay. We get it. We can get it less so in food, but it does come in milk and cheese, um, but at what expense, right? Uh, you can get it also in fish, um, less so in plant-derived, but... Um, the majority and how we evolved is getting it really through the sun. And I'm going to talk, I'm actually going to do a whole show on the importance of the sun uh, because it is so misunderstood, but so important to human health. Okay. Anyway, we're built evolutionarily from the sun to take these UVB frequencies. Okay. We, we, we get hit with this sun rays and then 
in our skin, we have this precursor to vitamin D. It gets activated. These enzymes get activated. And what happens is that that enzyme starts creating something called provitamin D. Okay. And through a series of steps, all right, vitamin D is created. It goes to the liver. Um, that, that, that active form in the blood is created. It goes through the kidney. That's what has its hormonal effects. So no, no vitamin in our body goes through step-by-step processes right, to be activated like this. And it also doesn't have the extent of physiological changes the way vitamin D does. So vitamin D, like I said, it's called a vitamin, but think of it more as a hormone. It has the effects it exerts in our body. It is paralleling more of the endocrine effects, like hormonal effects in our body. So not everyone makes the same amount of vitamin D. It tends to be the darker shades like me cannot absorb as much vitamin D as someone with a fairer shade would. And that's because melanin, the melanin doesn't hold on to that UVB radiation the way someone with less melanin does. Um, so what happens is these folks usually have lower vitamin Ds. And actually, I've seen that clinically a lot. Um, a lot of Spanish and Native American black patients that I get are having lower vitamin D. Um, and that's, that's, that's the reason why. We also see folks who are overweight have lower vitamin D. Those obviously that live further from the equator, higher altitudes, okay, older populations we see. And of course, those who are covered up all the time in the sun. I don't, um, I'm such a, such a proponent of sun and what it does, but you know, we, have, we have to take the caveats with it too, okay? So there's a lot of health campaigns that do demonize the sun. Part of that's for marketing to sell your product. Um, but the other part of it, there is some truth to it, right? The, the sun can be also damaging for sure. Um, especially if we're in it, not protected for extended amount of times, uh, sensitive skin, history of uh, melanomas, basal cell carcinoma, squamous cell carcinoma, whatever it may be. Um, this is important stuff to pay attention to. But there's other things we don't think about, right? There's a lot of medications out there that photosynthesize. It makes our skin more sensitive to the sun. The same goes with a lot of supplements. Remember, I said last week, just because it's natural doesn't mean it's always healthy and good for you, okay? So we have to find that balance because the sun is essential to human health. I will repeat, the sun is essential for human health. So evolutionarily, we were made to suck up that vitamin D. We were made to utilize its effects in our body. Uh, so we need to have a better connection with the sun. And like I said, I have a whole kind of sun show. so. Let's leave it at that. So theoretically, even folks who live in higher altitudes, we get enough sun in the summer to store in our fat and carry us through the winter like a bear, right? We just feed on the sun and then the winter we're okay, theoretically. But boy, do I see low, 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 low vitamin D levels on people, especially in the winter and especially when I lived on the East Coast. And that's because people don't get enough sun in the summer, right? We're so conditioned to wake up, Walk to our car, we got a little bit of sun when we walk to our car, we get in the sun. I mean, we get in the car, we drive, we get a little sun in the car, we get to work, we're out of the midday sun. We come back, we out of work, five o'clock. Sure, the sun will be out, but it's not that midday sun. It's that midday sun that's really giving us the true effects. So what the heck does vitamin do in the body? Well, I wanna stress the importance of vitamin D, not calcium, vitamin D, not calcium, okay? What happens is vitamin D tells the body to start sucking up calcium and phosphorus in the intestine. And when it does so, guess what that helps? Bone development. And then for children, jaw development, bone development. This is so important for growing children, established adults, uh, all the older population, right? So if you go in and let's say your grandmother has osteoporosis or your aunt has osteoporosis, whoever it may be, and they're, they're giving a ton of calcium, 
That's the wrong move. What they need to be doing is making sure that patient is getting vitamin D, right? Eating calcium-rich foods, phosphorus-rich foods, mineral-rich foods, but getting that vitamin D, making sure their first test, if someone has osteoporosis, the first test should be, all right, we'll do a bone density scan. We'll see that. But let's see what your vitamin D level is because if your vitamin D is below 20 and you have osteoporosis, then that's just a soup for a progression of uh, these, these, uh, this disease, okay? So really important, vitamin D, bone health, all right? If you're sensitive, avoid the midday sun, okay? Maybe get out there, get 10 minutes of sun, take off your clothes, get butt naked, it doesn't matter, put on your pants, your neighbor might want that actually. So pay close attention to how sensitive your skin is, but 10 to 30 minutes is the rule of thumb because in that 10 to 30 minutes, you're gonna get about one to 2,000 IUs of vitamin D already. Uh, do that a few times a week. You're in good shape. You're in good shape, especially for the winter coming. Remember that hibernation period of storing all that vitamin D. Now, if you have darker skin like me, I'll get out more than that, right? So I'll do 10 to 30 minutes, maybe five times a week, or maybe I'll do 40 minutes, three times a week, 50 minutes, three times a week, whatever it may be. But be sure that you're not staying out there and roasting, right? You don't want to start roasting, especially if you have sensitive skin, but you want to get the therapeutic benefits. So think of you getting out in the sun, and it's not just vitamin D, it's more than that, but just think about you getting out in the sun and that being your eating for the day. You you need to snack on the sun for the day, right? So take 10 to 30 minutes, get a little appetizer, get your vitamin D and go to work. Make that part of your day. All right. Most people get vitamin D from supplements, all right? Uh, but most people don't know that you need to eat that vitamin D with a fatty meal, right? It's a fat-soluble vitamin. So make sure you're eating it with a fatty meal. Uh, more is not always better. It's a fat-soluble vitamin, as I just said. So it could build up in the system. So the higher the vitamin D is not always a better, and I'll go over ranges with, with you. So be very careful with vitamin D building up, building up in the blood, building up in the fat, okay? What are other benefits of vitamin D? Ooh, the heart. We're starting to see now that folks who are deficient in vitamin D are twice as likely to have a heart attack. Well, heart, heart disease is the number one killer in, our, in the American system. So uh, why would we not monitor vitamin D all the time? And it's not, it's not monitored in the yearly physical. You need to ask for it. Um, so really important. I think it's, I think it's underemphasized conventionally, um, but vitamin D is very important for me to know where my patients are with it all the time. So other studies show that uh, lower vitamin D levels are associated with higher uh, heart failure, uh, sudden cardiac death, stroke, overall cardiovascular disease, cardiovascular death. So really important. Again, if there's a family history or a past history of heart disease, make sure that person is, has an adequate amount of vitamin D. All right. Uh, car vitamin D is cardio and coronary protective. All right. It may have a mechanism in blood sugar. We don't know exactly how, but we just know it protects the, the tissue. All right. A little bit more data we need to see. How about cancer? Another one that needs a little bit more data, but it's intriguing. The most of it is seen in colorectal cancer, but we also see that uh, in breast and prostate cancer, vitamin D is protective. So if you have a history of breast cancer, if you have a family history of breast cancer, you better make sure that your vitamin D is at least, at least around 50 50 or 60. If it's below 30 and there's a history of prostate cancer in your family, you got you to pay close attention to that. Also the same with females, right? It's, seen to, it's shown to be protective when it's over 60 nanograms per milliliter. So men and women, especially as we get older, vitamin D is essential 
All right. In my clinical experience, when I see a cancer patient, a lot of these folks are having very low vitamin Ds. I've seen a breast cancer patient with a vitamin D level of four. I didn't even think that was possible. So um, pay close attention. All right. If you're under 20, I consider that that's, that's the depleted area, right? So if you're at 20 to 59 nanograms per milliliter, then you still are deficient. But if you're around 58 to 70, I like that range best for people. I call that sufficient. But if you're higher than 500, that's, you're going to start getting some uh, vitamin D toxicity. So pay, again, make sure that when you're getting your vitamin D tested, you are aware of where you're at at least once a year, okay? Especially in the winter, if you live in higher altitudes, it's really important. One of my favorite uses for vitamin D, though, is the immune system. It's so important in functioning of the immune system. There was a small double-blind placebo-controlled trial that took children. I believe it was in Japan. I don't remember. But uh, these children, what they saw was that if they took 1,200 IUs of vitamin D, what they saw was versus placebo, 40% less sickness in the winter than the placebo group. And I've seen it. I've seen, I've seen people load up on vitamin D uh, as soon as first signs of a cold or the flu, and they get better pretty fast. It's actually something that I do. It's my little secret. Once I'm getting sick, I do, I do take a high dose of vitamin D, and um, yeah, it never really progresses towards something that's really, really uh, beats you up or beats you down. So think about that. If, there's a, if, if your child is getting sick all the time, ask your pediatrician and or whatever practitioner is taking care of your kid, how much vitamin D would be safe. We also see some reduction in uh, autoimmune disease, particularly multiple sclerosis, and that's the disease where your immune system attacks the central nervous system, the myelin sheaths in there, so you get a lot of CNS issues, neurological issues. Um, so vitamin D is really important for that. S pay close attention. Again, I'm, I'm gonna say pay close attention a million times. Vitamin D is essential to our health, all right? How about depression? especially seasonal affective disorder. I can attest to this. When I lived in Connecticut, every winter I was in the dumps. You can ask any of my classmates. Um, they would be like, wow, Christian's so happy and jolly in the summer and then just really quiet and introverted in the winter. Um, and I didn't understand why I got one of those happy lights. I was like, yeah, maybe I need a happy light. Kind of helped a little bit. But it really wasn't until I got my blood work taken and it was low. It was like 25, my vitamin D. Um, I was like... I need vitamin D. I took it in three months, much better. I never again experienced seasonal affective disorder. Now, I didn't see any studies in seasonal affective disorder, but we do know uh, it can improve symptoms of depression in depressive patients in that population. So um, yeah, really important. Uh, and that, That's my personal story with vitamin D, actually. It was really helpful for me when I was living on the East Coast. Now I live in California. I don't really need to take it like that. I'm enjoying the sun every day. I'm sorry if you want to move here. I'm sorry if you love the sun. I'm sorry if you live in the cold. But vitamin D is wonderful here in California. All right. So if your uh, vitamin D is running low, most likely what's going to happen, and here's the profile, your immune system is going to be crap. You're always going to be getting sick. You're going to be run down and fatigued. You could have emotional changes like seasonal affective disorder, some depression, uh, just mood changes. Um, it might affect actually the way you heal. Wound healing is a really important part of it too. How about your bones? For children, they may display uh, symptoms or the disease is called rickets, and that's the weakening and softening of these bones where there's uh, deformities. So um, another, another thing that we saw actually was hair loss. And this was just a post that I saw yesterday done by a close friend of mine talking about vitamin D and hair loss. There is an implication in that. Um, so 
I, I mean, if I didn't put it out there enough today about how important vitamin D is, um, I don't know what else I have to do. Vitamin D is so cool. Vitamin D is an amazing vitamin hormone. Um, Take-homes, we got to get enough. Take-home is 10 to 30 minutes in the sun. Um, you'll be getting a good amount of vitamin D. Make it part of your routine. The less clothes, the better. Make sure you're eating up the sun. Eat the sun. Eat the sun. And um, if you are of darker skin, you may need some more and all of the other factors that may block your vitamin D absorption and intake um, and it has so many benefits. So ask your doc if you're unsure of your vitamin D. I mean, it's a summer now, so if you're getting adequate sun, then rest assured you should have pretty good vitamin D. But if you're not and you're going straight to the office and typing away in a job you don't like, you're not going to be getting enough vitamin D. All right, so check it out. Let's go into the product review. I got some good stuff to talk about. I hope you enjoyed that knowledge bomb. All right, today's product review is on one of my favorite condiments, especially as a child. I was called a ketchup king because I put ketchup on everything. I don't care if it was fries. I don't care if it was rice. I don't care if it was chicken at the time when I was eating it. I was addicted to ketchup. I ruined all of my mom's culinary masterpieces by just throwing ketchup on it. And maybe your child does too, or maybe you do too. But you need to know what's the best ketchup out there and why conventional ketchup is crap. So before I go into which ones I don't like, which ones I kind of like, or eh, and which ones I do like, I want to make one thing clear. What is high fructose corn syrup? All right. How is this even still in our food supply? High fructose corn syrup is crap. It is one of the most toxic ingredients in food. It's made from corn. Majority of the time, if it doesn't have an organic, I mean, even an organic product is not going to have high fructose corn syrup. So you can expect for it to be genetically modified corn that's used high in glyphosate already. X. No, no, no. Artificially processed. Well, that's not a whole food. X. No, no, no. And then it's used because it's so cheap and it's sweet. The biggest problem is that it absorb. we didn't evolve to have high fructose corn syrup. It's absorbed into our system, spikes up our blood sugar, and it gives us an inordinate amount of fructose. Now, fructose like fruit sugar, right? You hear fructose, oh, it's just fruit sugar. Well, no, it's not the same profile as fruits, right? Because fruits are packaged so intelligently such that the fructose in that, in the fruit, does not have anywhere near the same of effect as we do with this concentrated dose of fructose, high fructose corn syrup. It goes straight to the liver and starts storing in the fat. One of the biggest issues with high fructose corn syrup is the risk of promoting non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Major issue. It's actually going to be, I believe, one of the major causes of liver issues, liver fibrosis, cirrhosis, outside of alcohol. Why is this in our system? I have many. That's a whole other show. I have many theories and reasons why, but I'm sure you know too. Um, so again, I said it's a concentrated dose of fructose and, uh, it's implicated in obesity, fatty liver disease, as I mentioned, insulin resistance, type two diabetes, increased cancer risk. What it does is it increases inflammation, particularly in our gut, uh, increasing, uh, intestinal permeability has no nutrients. And remember 
before I finish about high fructose corn syrup, it can't have some secret code names, right, to evade this, um, this, this push about saying high fructose corn syrup. But guess what? They can use corn sugar. Oh, you might, that, that might have gotten you. It probably would have gotten me. Isolated fructose. Oh, well, you know, it doesn't sound, as, doesn't sound as bad as the high fructose corn syrup, though. Isolated fructose, really smart. Maize syrup, fructose syrup. If you see any of these hidden words, rest assured that's high fructose corn syrup. It's just the, the association's getting really smart on it. And although not derived from corn, tapioca syrup does the same thing. All right, so um, without further ado, let's talk about some ketchup, ketchups. We know Heinz tomato ketchup. I mean, like, this is probably what I was binging on as a kid, Heinz tomato ketchup and um, its counterpart, Hunt's tomato ketchup, which I'm sure I was binging on as a kid too. Um, they have similar ingredients, pretty much the same thing. What we see is tomato concentrate. Oh, great. Tomatoes are good for you. It's concentrated tomato. Doesn't say anything about organic tomato, right? We know that that can be sprayed with pesticides, sprayed with herbicides, sprayed with insecticides, all that nasty stuff. And it's derived from ripe tomatoes. So I don't want my ketchup uh, derived from spoiled tomatoes or unripened tomatoes. So they just let us know, which is, that's just, you know, that's how marketing is. Um, and the same goes for the other one. It says derived from ripe tomatoes. And that's in the ingredient list, not like a little, not like a little pack uh, promotion on there or anything like that. But then we see that the number three ingredient is high fructose corn syrup. Exclamation mark, exit out. No one should ever be having this in their diet. Your kid, your auntie, your best friend, your mom, your coworker, your boss, no one should be having this. If you see someone using this, run up to it, take it out of their hands and throw it in the garbage. You may not have a good reaction from them, but rest assured you're helping them save their health. Um, so yeah, big, big issue. And then it has natural flavors as like, I had a whole show on that natural flavors, what that means. It's just an ambiguous term. You don't know what the heck is in here. You don't know where it's derived. Um, natural quote unquote, uh, corn syrup is another one in here. Corn syrup, corn syrup, salt. So remember what I said, genetically modified. So not only does it have high fructose corn syrup, it has corn syrup, corn syrup, salt. The same thing with the other one. This is, this is crazy that this ketchup is even part of our food system. Why do we have this? No one should be having Heinz. No one should be having Hunts. It's a summer. Do not add it onto any of your foods. Okay, what's another better option then? Well, Heinz got smart because we started, we started uh, voting with our dollar, right, on food. And like I said, if food companies, they don't care about your health. They do not care about your health, especially the big corporations, the food companies. But they care about their dollar. So if... Let's say Coca-Cola, which has been poisoning children and adults for many years. Uh, they, I'm sure that they have already just an organic Coca-Cola coming out. I don't know. I haven't followed it. But you vote with your dollar. So if, if people are demanding organic, you better trust all the companies that have been poisoning all, you all your life are going to jump onto the organic bandwagon. It doesn't matter. They're not like, oh, you know, we have a social responsibility. Let's make things organic. No. It's like people are buying organic. That's where the money is. I get it. It's business. But we are affected by it. So Heinz got smart. They made an organic certified tomato ketchup. I didn't find it for Hunt's. Um, and look, the ingredients are pretty good. I'm going to go into something, but look, organic tomato concentrate, right? From red ripe tomatoes. Thank you. Like I would expect it to come from ripe tomatoes. Organic distilled vinegar, organic sugar, salt, organic onion powder, organic spices, and natural flavoring. All right. That's much better than their, than their, um, than their, than their dog crap counterpart. But but one thing that you have to think about, right? This is in a plastic bottle, all right? 
It's not, this is not a, the bottle that's known to release BPA, but substances, materials react when they're exposed to acidic conditions, alkaline conditions, um, hot temperature conditions, different, different varying temperatures that can start leaching. Well, we know that tomato is pretty acidic, right? So the belief and the worry is that, that although this doesn't have BPA, it still is leaching chemicals from the plastic into the ketchup, into your child's vegan hot dog. All right. So, um, yeah, there's a better choice out there and this is it. Remember, I'm not sponsored by anyone. I'm not paid by anyone. I'm literally just going to the supermarket myself and going through the aisles. Primal Kitchen ketchup, organically sweetened. Here's why I like it. One, it's in a glass, but it's more, a little more expensive. You, you know, you rest assured it's, you're going to be paying more, but it's for your health. Um, it's in a glass bottle. That's really cool. Um, but one thing already that strikes me when I look in the back in the nutrition facts is it has four times less sugar, right? So I didn't even mention that the, there's about four grams of sugar per teaspoon. Yeah, for, oh, for tablespoon for the ketchup, four grams. And this has uh, one gram of sugar per tablespoon. What does it have in here? Organic tomato concentrate. Doesn't even have to tell me if it's a ripe tomato or not because it's ridiculous. Organic balsamic vinegar, organic onion powder, organic garlic powder, organic spices. Across the board, clean, organic, non-GMO, no agave, no cane sugar. Um, this is actually one of my favorite lines for condiments, for salad dressings, because you're going to see high fructose corn syrup be in things like yogurt and salad dressing. So um, although this is a show about ketchup, you can find it in a lot of places. This company does a really good job of having an organic label. I don't think it's on all of their products, but an organic label on a lot of them. Better nutrition facts profile, and you better believe better ingredients. So Primal Kitchen for the win. Heinz and Hunt's. Um, uh, yeah, throw that away, please. Take it out of someone's hand and throw it away. Just make sure it's not your boss. All right. Let's go into our special guest. This is gonna be so good. I've been so excited for a while. Um, yeah, let's move on. All right, everyone. Today's special guest is so exciting. It's gonna be a good combo. She's a nutritional therapy consultant. She's a blogger. She's a best-selling author. She has a podcast. Too many accolades to even name. We're just gonna go right into it. Steph. Godro. Hey. Yeah. How are you? I'm great. How are you? How, I'm pretty good. I'm feeling good. It's uh, <laughs> it's sunny. It's warm. Yeah. I'm happy. I'm high vibe. I'm going to San Diego. We're just trading places. <laughs> yeah, we're trading places. You're in, you're in my city. I'm going to your city. Yeah. Um, which do you like better? Oh, am I going to cause a ruckus here if I say? You might. Uh, the energy of LA is just, like, LA is such a big place. And yeah. San Diego, I've been there for 15 years. Is so it feels so much smaller. Yeah. So I love that there are so many people in LA. I get to come up and see people and visit, and then I just you know drive home and <laughs> hibernate. It's so funny because we were just talking about our personalities. I'm a big extrovert, mm -hmm. so then I go to San Diego. I'm like, oh, this is like vacation. I'm recharging. <laughs> I'm calm. I'm relaxed. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I need all of that loud noise and craziness now. You know, it's really funny. Somebody recently was talking to me about that. They were saying, um, I'm from the East Coast, so from. Massachusetts, Northeast, it's everything there is high energy, hustle and bustle, right? And then a lot of people say they come to the West Coast, especially San Diego, to kind of decompress. But then eventually they realize that they need a bit 
more. Yeah. You know, they kind of need to come out of that. And so they'll go elsewhere, which yeah. I find really, really, really interesting. Yeah. I'm from New Jersey. So that's the same thing. I came <laughs> yeah. here to LA and I was like, oh God, this is like a breath of fresh air. Mm. I'm like, it's so much more calm in LA because you know what the East Coast is like. Yeah. Hustle, bustle. <laughs> I, I call it like contained neurotic sense of urgency. It's like, mm. why is everyone rushing? It's like a Saturday. Why are people cutting? It's nuts over there, right? It, it is a very different pace of life. When I was, I moved to Arizona after I left Massachusetts and I lived there for a year. And I remember going to the grocery store for the first time. It was this lovely little grocery store. And the woman who was my cashier was like, so, hey, how's it going? How's your family? Oh, you just moved here. And we we're having a full on conversation. And I was sort of like, wait, what's, what's going ha- on? What's happening yeah. right now? <laughs> I know, I know, I know. So like where I grew up, I'm taught to like look around, uh, don't talk to strangers. So I'll never forget the first time I was ever in the Midwest. I was in an elevator in Minnesota and these people in the elevator started talking to me and I was like, what do these people want from me? I go, is this like a scam? I didn't know if something was going to go down. Mm -hmm. Like that's how we grew up because it's like very different mentality. So you wonder why people are friendly, mm-hmm. but, but like, why aren't we as people just making more conversation with each other? Like, stop being strangers with each other. Mm-hmm. I, I understand where we're from, but like, it's so nice here. Um, I notice a lot more of that from people. Yeah, my husband's from Scotland, and in Scotland, he always jokes here when people walk by and they make direct eye contact. You know, in Scotland, that's kind of like a threat. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm about to get jumped. Um, and so it, it was weird for him to move here. He's been here about five years and have that experience of people you know, saying hi on the street. And sometimes we'll be walking somewhere because we live in a really walkable neighborhood and people will walk by and they're like, hey, good morning. And he's just like, Wait, what, what? Yeah, different I'm cultures. Like elbowing yeah. him, like, say, say good something. Morning. <laughs> yeah. Come yeah, on. It's very different. Yeah, yeah, I, I, for sure, for sure. I, I agree with that. So, so you're down there mm-hmm. and you do some nutritional therapy consulting, right? Yeah, I work mostly online. So I'm doing mostly stuff in a group format working with people in large group setting. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, I find that for me, at least practice-wise, much more fulfilling and better when you can help and assist these people getting better in a larger group. Mm-hmm. Sometimes one-on-one is just time-consuming and it, you know, I, I notice that from a lot of people, it's a trend that people are doing a lot of group thing, group mm-hmm. education, group empowerment. So what type of stuff do you do down there? Gosh, what don't I do? It feels like I do a bunch of different things, but Most of my business is online. I started in 2011. I created a nutrition blog, so I was mostly writing recipes. And then I left my job in 2013. I was teaching for 12 years, science. And most people, I mean, you're like a nerd, a science nerd like me, so you're like, ooh, that's cool. Most people, nine out of 10, will kind of like shudder when I say that. But I taught for 12 years, and then I just kept thinking, there's something, I'm not meant to be here in this container right in these four walls of a classroom in this particular institution of secondary education this is just not where I'm supposed to be but when you've been in that since you're 21 it was my first job right I left college in the classroom you don't know anything else how did that feel like did you feel like in your gut did you feel like like when you woke up in the morning like a sense of dread of going in I just want to know how people feel when they know something's not right yeah definitely more of an intuitive misalignment um for me totally a gut feeling just you know how sometimes you get the you get the whisper or the notion from the universe of like something you need to do something different and then that gets louder and louder and louder and sometimes you start to see doors or opportunities open 
because you're in that state of of awareness, openness. So you're like, okay, what else is there? What else am I missing? So yeah, I had that feeling and it just didn't go away. It kept getting louder and louder. And eventually I did leave, but it was really scary, really, really scary. So I started off, you know, continuing to do, I took my blog, made it a website and was writing recipes and um, talking to people about nutrition. Specifically, I was really focusing on helping athletes because that was really my world. And I was competing at the time and really into that. And that morphed into doing more nutrition stuff on a large group scale. And then I created an online program where I'm working with people in, again, large group setting. And that's great because people get to share their experiences. They're not in a vacuum. They're not in a bubble. It's not just them. And everybody has a different learning style. So some people do better when it's more one-on-one. It's you and them. They can really focus. And then other people really get motivated by you know, not doing it alone. They're not isolated. They have the group experience. They can share and feel like they're part of a collective, which is really powerful. So yeah, I started um, my program, which was nutrition and fitness focused, eventually started the podcast. And every day I'm talking to people about nutrition, about movement um, and about mindset. My favorite things. I, I call them like pillars of health, right? Mm-hmm. Fundamentals of health, because people, when they come, they go, Dr. Gonzalez, let's just get on a protocol. Like mm-hmm. I want to start taking this for that, this for that. It's sort of just green medicine, right? Like it's just like a pill for an ill, whether it's a medication or a supplement. I say, how are you sleeping? <laughs> you know, like, are you moving? What's like, what's the capacity for movement in your day? Are you, what are you eating? So that those core fundamentals can literally change everything. People are so unaware of the importance of these fundamentals. Mm-hmm. And then they go, I just need something for it. Do you see a lot of people come in there and they're oh, just yeah. like, what do you mean? I have, these are like, and it's hard to make a lifestyle change. They just want something quick. It, yes. So we definitely are in an age, especially where we have instant results. We can go on Amazon and get something same day now. And we're just not used to waiting, right? Yeah. We, send an email and we get a response immediately or very, very quickly. So it is part of our culture now to expect things that are going to happen really quickly. And I, it's the same thing in nutritional therapy. We have our six foundations that we really come back to with people starting with food and then talking about digestion and blood sugar and nutrient, um, mineral balance and hydration and all the stuff that, you know, is important. And then really taking into consideration the movement piece, but it's not the same for everybody. So we have this eat less, move more paradigm going on in our country right now where we're looking and saying, well, everybody needs to eat less and move more. I also see the flip side of that. I see women, especially who have been chronically dieting for many, many years, if not their entire adult lives, they are really overdoing it with exercise to the point where that is no longer a hormetic stressor. It is just a flat stressor stressor, for them. Yeah. And they're not seeing the results that they want despite working really hard. And that in itself is demotivating, but then it's just impossible to, to maintain. And they think, well, what's wrong with me? And then the answer is, well, I need to do more, right? More exercise, more, or do more in this very intense style of training and eat even less and cut back even more. And so yeah. we get this kind of vicious cycle. So yeah, you're totally right. I'm always coming back to people with what are the basics. And for me, you know, sleep and and nutrition are really high up there. I can't really say which one I 
is like the most important. I think they're both kind of together, but fitness is an exercise. What we talk about is exercise, at least in my world is, is, is below that. We surely want people to move. Yeah. And when you move, you feel better. It helps you to process emotions. It helps you to, you know, reduce anxiety. I mean, we know there's so much positive benefit to movement, but if we're waking up at 4 a.m. and we're going to bed at midnight and we're waking up at four to go to the gym, are we, you know, what, Yeah, exactly. is that really, is that really benefiting us in the long term? So we're always having those conversations yeah. as a community. Yeah. I just, I just spoke with uh, Dr. Brighton about breast cancer mm-hmm. and do you know that just nutrition and exercise can reduce your risk by 30 to 35% mm-hmm. breast cancer? Just that, that's, pretty crazy yeah you know you put that in a medication you give it to someone preventatively you're a billionaire Mm -hmm. right so that's the power of like these basics that people are like oh i didn't even know that yeah or they don't emphasize it so um i love that i love but i love that you're stressing the importance of sleep Mm -hmm. are people sleeping a lot of people are not sleeping as much as they could be and i i try to be really sensitive to the fact that we have we have a wide spectrum of things that people are facing. We have some people that are, yeah, like faffing around on social media till 11 or 12 at night or watching TV in bed and falling asleep with the TV on. I mean, things that we can easily change, right? Things that we can implement, you know, a phone's outside the bedroom rule. We can um, wear some blue blocking glasses. I mean, I call them kind of low barrier to entry. And then we have higher barrier to entry things. People that legitimately their job is third shift and they have to deal with it or they have a new baby that they're waking up to feed. So I try to be really sensitive to people's lifestyle and situation and what's changeable and what's not. But I think that no matter where you're at in terms of those Mm non-negotiables or those hard to negotiate things, Mm -hmm. there are sleep hygiene things that you can do. And I think when you're not sleeping well and I was like this for years I would maybe get five or six hours of sleep a night you wake up I mean it's hard to get up it's really hard to get going it just you feel crappy but there's also part of your brain and there's some really interesting research that that backs this up that says like no actually I'm really fine like I'm I'm cool and then if you run people through cognitive tests (laughs) no they're a mess they're they're totally not fine but we learn to cope we're so adaptable and and we, strong. Yeah, yeah, and we learn to cope and get through that. And a lot of us do have resilience. Maybe we're young. Maybe we're, it's just we're genetically more resilient to that stuff. But I, I get really nervous for people when they have a big life shift or they have a big stressful event happen and they're no longer able to cope that way. And yeah. then they realize how important their sleep and their rest really is. So, you know, I'm always looking for how can you change things that are easy to change and then on the more difficult lifestyle stuff where can you make some some shift some effort to feel better and when you feel better you see the world differently right you're you get a different shift in hormones even and that colors how you see the world and it's amazing how powerful that rest is for so many different things but yeah in our culture at least in the world we're in it's like, oh, sleep is for whims. You know, you don't need to sleep. It's like the least priority thing. Yeah. First thing to go. First thing to yeah. go. Like if you have extra work, oh, I'll just lose an hour of sleep. Yeah. Right? If you're out and hanging out, oh, I'll just get back. I'll lose an hour of sleep. Mm-hmm. 
Whereas how can we cut other things from our lives, like maybe being on social media for three hours and mm-hmm. cut down an hour of that because it is so imperative. And because I work a lot with cancer, it's so, so imperative, right? The power of what melatonin does in the body, the power of sleep hormones, regulation, the way we wake up and the lens, like you said, that we see it through. Mm-hmm. You ever wake up feeling rested and going, God, why am I so happy, man? I love the stranger <laughs> on the street, you know? And yeah. most people are like, you know, frumping around to their sink and to their bathroom and brushing their teeth. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's so mm-hmm. hard to get going. It's so hard. Yeah. Yeah. An interesting thing you said is that something can shift. If you're sleeping well, something could shift it and knock it off its center. Mm-hmm. And then you're not going to be sleeping well. I was pretty good sleeper. I had a, a death in the family. I slept, you know, if a caterpillar walks in the room, I wake up. It's pretty crazy how yeah. that that shift in your hormones, right, can completely change the way you sleep. I just wanted to bring that up. I like yeah. that point that you made. Um, so what else, what, what else is like a really big barrier to entry? It doesn't even have to be sleep that you find in people that they're just like, this is really hard to do. You know, I can't follow through anymore. Oh, yeah. I would say with nutrition, it's all the rules that we are given, right? There's, that's the power. That's like the beauty and the simultaneous curse of the Internet and social media. And I mean... When I went to when I went to school back in the day, we had encyclopedias that we would go look things up on. You, there was no internet, at least not in the way that we have it now. And so it was harder yeah. to find information. Now it's so easy to find information, but we're not teaching people how to be media literate. Um, we're not teaching that in school by and large. And, and I saw this even when I was a teacher. We're not teaching media literacy. Like, how do you know what is a good source of information? How do you know how to sift through things? How do you even know how to perform a really helpful Google search. You know, how do you find that stuff? And so I think we're presented with so much information now and it's really easy to start following and, and gathering information and learning is great. But when you start to confuse yourself with all the different ways you can do things, all the protocols, all, you know, all the different ways you can slice and dice nutrition and diet, that overwhelm I feel like for people and, and sort of the always, the defaulting always to external rules is so difficult. And for, for most people is a reason that they, they just give up. They're like, this is too hard or all the special things that I'm supposed to do. I call them the nice to haves, right? All the nice to haves are too, they're too expensive for me. I can't maybe afford like this expensive powder or this, what, you know, expensive, um, nice to have food or yeah. whatever it is. And those things are fun if you can afford them, but are we really teaching people the fundamentals and the basics? Do you know how to cook? Yeah. If basics. We, right. If right. we don't know how to, to, how to do basic cooking even, then feeding ourselves, because typically if we're going to try to uh, eat a little bit more nutritiously, we're going to be cooking at home more. If we don't even know how to, to chop things efficiently or effectively, it's going to, cooking is going to be a real bummer. Yeah. So I think we are, we're seeing people get too overwhelmed with the rules and oftentimes trying to get really fancy with nutrition rules or nutrition protocols without doing the basics first. Now, certainly if they're working with somebody one-on-one, they're working with a nutritional therapist, an RD, they're working with an ND and whoever they're working with, that's really guiding them through the process. They maybe have done some testing, you've done some functional medicine stuff. Mm -hmm. That's a very different story. But if it's somebody who's kind of trying to do this for themselves, I'm always trying to get them to go back to the basics. You know, are you uh, including 
a variety of foods? Are you chewing really well? Like, how are you eating? That's actually part of yeah. what I talk about is, you know, how do you eat? Are you always eating in the car? Are you always eating busy, busy, busy? Like, are you taking the time to just like take some deep breaths and get a little bit parasympathetic first? Like these things are all very simple, but they're not always easy in the construct of our, our daily lives. Yeah. So how can we take that focus back to basics and, and introduce some amount of consistency and see how far that takes us? Because those things should be moving the needle for us in a pretty big way so long as we don't have some underlying stuff that needs to be dealt with. But even, you know, in the, in the realm of digestion, for example, how, you know, are you really allowing your digestion to work well based on what you're doing in your lifestyle? Um, how can you improve that with some simple interventions if you need it? I mean, it's not always going to have to be something big and expensive and drawn out, but I think people are getting too overwhelmed with the rules. Um, Every you know few years, we have a new protocol that comes out that gains popularity. Yeah. And while those things are certainly helpful for some people, I think the trying to get too fancy too quickly without having that consistent basis of, of knowledge and follow through mm -hmm. in the things that are really going to move us forward to feel better um, gets lost and, and people are like, this is too hard. This is too much. Um, I'm too confused. I don't even know yeah. how to eat anymore. Yeah. And oh we've created God, such all the time. Yeah. We've created such a, um, a tough spot. And so I think teaching people how to get more in touch with themselves from an interceptive awareness point of view, you know, your hunger, your fullness, just like you can, you can tell when you're tired or you need to pee or right. You know, we're like helping people learn those skills so they can try to yes like we know nutrition's important and we have this body of nutrition science that can inform what we do but we also we can't do that in in the place where we're not paying any attention to what's going on with us yeah because then you're going to try one diet and then going to go to the next diet and the yeah. next diet without even understanding following fads without understanding how's it affecting us yeah. this is the importance of why i tell people to write out food journals to see how they how things look throughout the day right man, I just ate green peppers, red peppers, and yellow peppers for three days. I feel like crap. I took them out. I feel better. <laughs> it, it's incredible how unaware people are of their bodies, yeah. right? And their signals. And it's so important. I love that you said getting into parasympathetic mode. Most of us eat in our car. That's crazy. I was looking it up. Most people are just driving and eating, sitting in a parking lot and eating. The importance of getting into parasympathetic mode and chewing. Mm -hmm. People come and they go, <laughs> I have heartburn. It's so bad. I, I have bloating. It's so bad. I go, Chew your food for two days. Tell me how it is. Yeah. So much better. Yeah. Chewing. We don't even chew. I know. We talk, right? Yeah. <laughs> we just chat. We talk or we, you know, and there, I think there is, there are a subset of people that are dealing with the remnants of food scarcity in their lives, especially when they were yeah. kids, right? It's just like, we didn't, and, and you see this with animals. Like we used to have cats growing up that were stray cats that we adopted and they would just wolf their food down without chewing because it, it's that you know, I don't know what I'm going to eat next. So we do have some folks for whom that does inform their eating patterns, but can we stop and take a look and say, yeah, you're right. I always end up bloated. How many times am I actually chewing? Like, am I just chewing three times or five times? That, that might not be enough. So can I, can I challenge myself? Can I make it fun? Can I try to extend that out? And it's really weird at first because we're just used to really mindlessly yeah. eating and that does affect 
for a lot of people how they feel. They feel crummy. Yeah, scrolling and texting yeah. and watching TV I and all our attention phone. is. Yeah, I mean, I'll have the phone by me. I'll be like, let me answer this email yeah, yeah. while I'm chewing. It's and then hard. I'm like, yeah, yeah, so I actually tried to make it a practice where at least one meal, mm -hmm. at least one meal, especially at work, I close the door, yeah. I close my computer, and I put my phone like, Behind, there's a couch behind the couch. <laughs> so you can't see it. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I don't want it to turn on. I want to see it. Yeah. And then I close my eyes for 10 seconds and then I eat. Yeah. So at least if I'm present for 15 minutes with this meal or snack, I don't care what it is, mm -hmm. then I know that I at least did something for my digestion better than what I'm used to doing. And I'm guilty of it. And we all are. Yeah. So, um, uh, but so, ladies and gentlemen, it's so important to be chewing your food, yeah. digesting your food. I mean, it's it's a first step in assuring that you're getting these nutrients properly yeah, and assimilating. I want to just switch switch gears. You, your your book is coming out, and this is first of all, you're killing it. You've 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 released books already, some best selling ones. Thanks. It's on fire, and then this one is going to be another bestseller. I'm putting it out there. You already know it. So, <laughs> but can you tell us like? It's sort of in line with what we're talking about, yeah. right? Let's let's talk about what people can read and expect in it. Yeah, so I created this program in 2015. I was working with people with nutrition, heard from so many people, thousands of people through social media, emailing me and saying, okay, I, I think I kind of have the food part down, but what else is there? Like, why, why am I still not feeling well? Or like, what else is there? What else am I missing? And so I started to realize and think back to my own this this own journey that I've been on for the last 10 years. I mean, I used to be somebody who was obsessed with how I looked. I was never good enough. I was never yeah. skinny enough. I was always on some kind of diet. I mean, always restricting my food, always using exercise to punish myself for what I ate or earn my food. And, you know, you can have two people doing exercise and one is going to be using it in a way that's very health promoting for them and looking at the whole person. If you, if you have this physical improvement, for example, in your health, but everything else in your life has fallen apart yeah. because of that, is that truly healthy? And I cannot look at somebody in a non-holistic way. I have to look at you as a whole person, right? Mm -hmm. You, it's not just your body. It's your, your, your mental state, your emotions, your, your spiritual connection. It's all of these things. And so I looked back on my own process and I was like, okay, I did start with changing how I ate and that allowed me sort of the energy to start pursuing other things. I changed my relationship with fitness and started working on my sleep and eventually kind of getting to the, the soft, juicy core of it all, which is you have know, self-limiting beliefs yeah. and how I saw myself and how I put worth and value on myself. And so I started to think about how could I put together something that could give people an experience? Because at the time, 10 years ago, it was like try to pull all these threads from all over the place from different teachers and coaches and different resources. And so I did. I created this program to give people a jumping off point, a taste of you know, nourishing foods, a taste of movement, a taste of working on our energy and sleep and a taste of working on some mindset and perspective shift. And so I put that all together. But what's really interesting is that when I've looked at all the people that have done the program over the years, they're, what they've experienced as a result of going through that and learning about these core four, right, the core four pillars, and everybody's kind of got their own version of pillars or keystones or whatever they, you know, they know is so important. 
these four things are not the only things. Obviously, we have things like connection and spirituality and you know, purpose and mm-hmm. all of these things that are so much bigger than us. But when when we are able to implement some of these basic things and not just read about it, but have a framework that we can customize, it, it's amazing to see the changes that people have experienced. And it's not a lose 10 pounds in 10 days kind yeah. of thing. It's looking at your holistic self and how have you, how do you feel better? How are you more effective at what you want to do? And we've had people that have done everything from, um, get their first pull up to get pregnant after infertility to leaving their soul sucking job that they hated to traveling around the world by themselves. I mean, it's, it's really so cool because when I, so when I step back and look at it and, and the subtitle of the book is embrace your body, own your power. It's not like a get skinny, be rich and famous. Yeah. It's really about helping women in particular, but I think you know the concepts that are in this book are universally applicable, um, but I'm a woman, so I write from a woman's perspective. Yeah. When I really think about you know, what, ha- what, has, what has this four pillar experience allowed people to do, it is to really embrace themselves for who they are right now, to be more present and to understand that they don't need to be filled with empowerment. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a that's a tricky thing in our world right now. We have so many people that are like, I will make you feel this way. I will give you, you know, the tools yeah. and the knowledge. And yes, sometimes as a coach, you need to walk or a, a practitioner, you need to walk beside somebody as they go through this process because we all need support. We all need to have that feeling that we're we can do this. But I don't need to fill you with power. I don't need to fill you with that inner sense, that inner knowing, that inner strength, because you already have it. You've had it since the beginning. And I, I use the analogy like an old school radio, you know, where you have to tune the dial and you, it's static, it's static, it's static, and then you hear the station and it's loud and clear. And part of the, the, the magic of this program in this book really is helping people implement some core basic things in their life so they start to feel better and they clear away the static and they hear the voice they hear the inner knowing they get in touch with the the stuff that was already there mm-hmm. but so many of us have programming we learn stuff that we've we've stopped listening to ourselves and i have a million stories of how that's happened to me when i was 11 i had a doctor tell me that my um you know my period pain was just hormones and i would grow out of it well, 30, 22 years later, I was diagnosed with endometriosis. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had people in positions of authority tell me I couldn't do things. I mean, yeah. we all have these experiences where we've, we've stopped listening to ourselves. We've stopped tapping into that, that intuition. And we know that's so powerful. So yeah, my job isn't to fill you with that. Like you're an empty vessel. It's to help you come through. Yep. Yep. Like pulling away that veil of doubt and, uh, authoritative dialogue in shaping your own human experience, pulling that veil and being like, oh, here's my reflection. Here's where it, it, I always had that power. Mm-hmm. That's the most important part of empowerment is being like, I'm going to make you aware of your own magnificence and greatness. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're doing. I applaud you for that. That's so, so important because with that empowerment, then people can take it and run yeah. and start empowering their sister, their brother, their aunt, their mom, right? Well, that's the whole point. If we can't just keep things to ourselves and there's this very old saying, right? Me to we, once I feel 
like I've got I, I, I've got a handle on things. How am I helping other people? And it doesn't have to be a big, huge, you know, you don't have to go and quit your job and, and create this passion project. You don't have to go around the world and do something huge. You can do it in your own small way, but how are you then helping to make the collective better? And I think we're really missing that in, in the world today. It's sort of like, well, I do my thing yeah. and um, cool. Like you guys can just figure it out on your own. So it, it's, it's tough too. I mean, this is a really nuanced conversation. There are so many things that go into you know, helping people realize how freaking amazing they are. And I get, I, I can cast my mind back to say 20 years or 15 years or 10 years. And I just think if I hadn't set out to get out of my own way, what would my life be like right now? Yeah. Painful. And and yes, there are there are good days and bad days. I don't want anybody to think that I'm living in a delusion where I never have difficulties yeah. and I still have things I, you know, I'm working on. But I, I look back on myself and I just think, what that would be a be such a waste. Yeah. And I think when you look at the overarching theme of the book with embracing your body and owning your power, women especially, and now an increasing amount of men the number of men now who are struggling with these same issues of not, you know, weren't, they're not body confident. They're very self-conscious. Like they're, they're just, they hate themselves. Yeah. And I just think all these constructs that we have for, especially women and what it's like to be a woman and what your body should be like and all of this stuff keeps us so distracted yeah. from this amazing potential that we have. And I do, I see people now and I think, you don't even realize how incredible you are just as you are. You don't even realize how gifted you are in these certain ways. You don't realize how worthy you are right now. And it, it sounds a bit, you know, like woo and hokey and stuff, but I, I really do. I look at people and I look at women and I think, please don't waste this, this time that you have here thinking how terrible you are. Yeah. And yet, right, I love that word, magnificent. Yeah. Right, you you are, um, and and I think, on the flip side of that, we, we also have to be grounded. We're not all like the best in the world at every single thing. A lot of us are just kind of, you know, we're an average kind of normal people, and yeah. that's that's fine. But within that, we we do have, we do have this innate worth, and yeah. it. It, it crushes me as a as somebody who's very empathic and feeling um, your kind of classic INFJ, like feel all the feels. That hurts me. It really does hurt me when I see women who are struggling with that. And that's part of my challenge as a coach and part of my challenge in the work that I do is holding that space and being there for people as they're going through the process. And I can see 10, 10 or 15 years ago myself mm -hmm. in them. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I just want to help you. but. I don't want to also take that process away yeah. from that person. So that's what I really do struggle with yeah. um, is yes, helping people feeling that energy, but also releasing that energy back if it's not mine to carry. And, and that's a challenge. Yeah, it's it very, sure is. very hard. <laughs> what, what my, a lot of my work is just in reminding people of their own magnificence, meaning that they are power to create mm. and, and construct and deconstruct who they are on a day-to-day -day basis, if something is not serving you, then you can today let go of that part of you so fast 
right? We think that we can hold on. Oh, you know, no, this is how I grow up. I, I can't let this go. But, but we can, and we could do it really fast. Mm-hmm. And then construct who we want to be, who we're choosing to be. And that's what I say. Like, it doesn't matter if you are a talented singer and the best singer in the world versus someone with no voice. It, it doesn't matter. We all have share that same quality, that magnificence. And I, I think you're, that the, the part of empowerment that you're doing with people, women, is incredible because they're like, oh, wait, I don't have to be defined by this anymore. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. It's beautiful work. And I go on your Instagram and I'll see it. I'll be like, ooh, I'm not even a woman and I feel like standing <laughs> up. You know, it's awesome stuff. Yeah. It's really universal themes and I think it shows up differently for, for different people, especially with gender identity and things like that. But you know, we have this unofficial kind of motto right now, which, which is wear the shorts. And I'm big on like, you know what? There's no gold standard of you need to wear unless you wear a bikini, then you haven't self-actualized. That's not what the message is, but it is exactly that message of, have I been really making myself like physically uncomfortable and the fact that I'm going outside in the summer and I'm completely covered up because I'm, I don't want to inconvenience somebody with looking at my body. Am I, am I okay with that still? Or am I going to make a choice today that says, you know what? It's not my job to um, manage your feelings about how I look. And I would really like to use evaporative cooling and (laughs) prevent myself from overheating today in this workout or whatever it is. And um, seeing women for the first time wearing shorts in their entire adult lives or their, you know, they put on a dress that they they felt really self-conscious in before or they did wear a bathing suit or whatever it is. It's very symbolic, but it is sometimes that first step in saying, no, I'm going to create a different reality for myself today. And the number of people who have who have taken those steps. And some people, it's just they're wearing it in their house for the first time. They're taking that baby step. Other yeah. people are like, I'm out. Here, yeah. here I am, world. Yeah. It's yeah. just on. <laughs> it's just me, right? And and then that is a, for a lot of people, that becomes a liberatory thing when they see someone else that they maybe identify with, they relate with, and they're like, oh, she did that, or yeah. he did that. Yeah. Could I do that? Okay, like, great. And, and it becomes this, again, this collective thing. And so it is a way of kind of reclaiming that of saying, you know what? No, I'm going to be the boss of me today. And if you don't like it, then that's not, that's not about me. Right? Yeah. It's kind of about you. And to see that happening is just so cool. Yeah. You can see someone who is in their power. Mm-hmm. You can see someone because their vibration shifts. Mm-hmm. They may not even look different but their vibration shifts and it's infectious because they walk into the room and you go, what happened to Jane? She wasn't like this two weeks ago. Where, where's this confidence coming from? Mm-hmm. She must've gone to an event or you know, self-workshop. Regardless, that vibration is infectious because you're like, I want more of that. Mm-hmm. But really it's just you're seeing yourself in them, your own greatness in them, your own capacity for confidence and power. So that is the infectious part. And I love that because it is infectious. Yeah. Right. So I'm sure a lot of, you're getting a lot of DMs saying, I wore these shorts. Yeah. I wore this dress. <laughs> yeah. Every day. Isn't it amazing? It It's amazing. And it makes me, um, it makes all the difficulty of what I do and being my own business person and all of the struggles and the doubts that I've had. It really does make, it, it sounds cliche, but it does make it so worth it when I see other people succeeding and I see them taking that first step or that's that small step that they're going to do and it is so grat- it's so gratifying and not in a like oh yeah. like I'm making a difference in the world but just like look at you're 
look what you're doing. You are making it happen. Yeah. And oftentimes people will say things like, oh, well, thank you for you know doing this for me. And I'm like, I didn't do this for you. You did it for you. Maybe yeah. I provided you the sense of you had support or that you weren't alone or gave you uh, something I said clicked in your brain because you were ready to hear it. But yeah. that that was you. That came from you. Yeah. And I think the more, again, we can give people that feeling of, we can help them to realize that that was in them. That's where it becomes self-perpetuating. Mm-hmm. And that's when they go out and take those steps. And yeah, a lot of times this takes an enormous amount of courage. And this, I think, is one of the really great parts about social media or like my Facebook group where people are sort of, we're all kind of in this same place together and we have created a safe space. That's the other thing. People feel like if they post this, then they're going to, they're not going to get shot down. They're not going to get rude, hating comments. You know, the trolls aren't going to come out after them. And I think that that is that's part of what we do, right? We create those spaces. Um, and so you create that through your, through your show. Mm. You create that with the people you work with, whether it's one-on-one yeah. or, you know, I, I, I try to create that in, in the spaces where I am inviting people in to talk. And sometimes we do have to make really hard calls. We do have to set the rule. And this is just like teaching, right? Like you do have to set a precedent. Yeah. Um, you do have to set an expectation of this is what we do here. This is what we don't do here because you and you have to manage that space that place where people can feel that it's okay for them to share it's okay for them to take that next step and it's wonderful when that's in person and you get that you can feel that vibration from yeah, somebody yeah. um but i think it, it can also exist in in online spaces as well oh yeah for sure i feel i feel it from you like yeah. i never when i first time i went on your page i was like oh she's in her power like she she knows she feels like you know and like you said no it's always a point of just evolution and growth like you can be in your power you can also have a shitty day yeah you know (laughs) that's okay too we have egos they're there they're never just going to dissipate you know but um but one thing that i really like that you spoke about is well how important is people to have a sense of purpose and like let's say someone's at a job and they're in a in a in a cubby and just doing work mm-hmm. in the in the midday it's beautiful out and how are people losing their sense of purpose and is it affecting people's health it is and it is yeah very much so i think when we talk about purpose and i love uh, i love simon sinek i love his work on purpose and why and walking people through that but i think for the average person when you're like what's your purpose they're like I don't know. 100%, um, yeah. I have no idea. And so I think I would break it down for people a little bit more concretely and say, um, what's important to you right now? And if that feel, sometimes that will elicit a response where people are like, I don't really know, or they're, they're defaulting to programming what they think they're supposed to say. So sometimes it's easier to ask what's not important to you right now. And that's easier for a lot of people to identify. But I think if, if the idea of a purpose is just like, freaking you out because <laughs> it, it, it seems like a big, huge mm. thing where you need to commit and like, oh my gosh, what am I supposed to do with my life? Shrinking that down a little bit and saying, what's important to you right now? Not what, not when you were in college, not what your parents told you, yeah. you know, not five years ago, but like, what are the top five or three or five things that are really resonant with you at this point in your life? And there are tons of values assessments. There's a values assessment in the book where people can go through and just get in touch with that. Just do some reflection and say, 
okay, okay, so how is my life right now today out of, out of sync with what's important to me? And how can I create small but meaningful experiences? So for example, if, um, communing with nature is really important with you, really important to you right now when you're like, when I'm out in nature, gosh, I just feel so relaxed. I feel so much more connected. I feel, um, at peace, like whatever that creates for you. Maybe you can't just, you know, you're sitting in the middle of the work day. Okay. So you can't just always take off and go, uh, out in nature for a big long hike or a vacation or some secluded getaway or a retreat. How can you create some semblance of that in your life today? in a small way. Yeah. I don't know, maybe you go sit in, there's so many beautiful parks around here. Yeah. You go sit on your lunch break in in a, a green space. Maybe you do go take a walk in your neighborhood after work. Um, maybe you can, can have plants around you. I mean, it sounds so like simple and dumb, like it wouldn't work, but how can you invite that into your space now as you are and create those experiences for yourself so that you do feel more in alignment? And I think when people feel aligned, they feel more purposeful. Yeah. And then I would also say finding something to do that's outside of yourself. We are, like you said, we are, we do have ego. We do have, we are self-driven and our society is very individualistic and, and independence driven. But one of my favorite things for people, so a lot of people say, well, I don't have the time to go volunteer or, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know how to do community work. One of my very favorite things that I learned um, many years ago is a project that people were doing and I just did it in my own small way. I took these blank note cards and went out to Target and I got like a set of 50 blank note cards and I just wrote random messages on them. You know, mm-hmm. like, you are important. Yeah. You mean so much. Keep going, whatever you're doing. Like, basically motivational positive messages. And I put little stickers on them because I like that kind of flair. And then I left them in random places. And I still do this from time to time. I, I like that. I took them and I put them like in the gro- grocery store in the shelves, like in between the boxes of rice. Or I would yeah. put them like I'd look around, you know, and put them underneath somebody's windshield wiper or whatever, ran- like random stuff. It's amazing how good I don't even know. I'm not sitting yeah. there and hiding in the bushes <laughs> and, and watching, thinking, watching, did somebody yeah. pick it up? It's not about that. It's about the, the act of the gift. It's about the giving. Yeah. It's about thinking of someone outside of you, paying someone a sincere compliment. Yeah. You know, thank you so much for having me here today. And I also love your cat tattoo, by the way. Oh, thank it's, you. <laughs> you know, it, like that Made touched, my day. That touched me. But really offering, seeing somebody, mm-hmm. seeing them for the for who they are. Um, you know, the grocery store, we're all so busy and like, you know, I'm, I do the same yeah, thing. Like I'm yeah. you know, on my phone. I'm like paying, not paying attention, yeah. really talking to that person, connecting with them. I don't know. It, it's something so simple, but that connection, that getting outside of yourself, doing something for somebody else, it doesn't have to be monetary, but it, it's just you doing something kind yeah. comes back to you so much. Of course. Yeah. 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 We, we are energetically one. Mm-hmm. If we give to another we just end up giving back to ourselves. Yeah. And it, you don't come from a selfish point, like hiding in the bushes and watching, <laughs> watching the car windshield wiper. It's the act of knowing you can and are. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, it shifts your vibration. I, and I'm guilty of it. Like I, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to volunteer. I'm going to do this. And then I'm like, well, damn, it's been three months. I mm-hmm. didn't do anything. But simple stuff like that. Yeah. And, if, and, if, and if it's hard for you to be, it's go to a stranger's street, be like, hey, you're beautiful. If that's hard, then write it on a postcard yeah. and put it on their windshield wiper, you know, and I love that. I'm going to do that. 
you've inspired me. Yeah, it's so fun. It's actually really fun to sit there and write things out and be meaningful and purposeful. And I mean, I don't know, somebody could find it and go, what is this crap? And like throw it away. But maybe somebody finds it and it's the exact thing that they needed to hear that day. And yeah. it gets them through a hard time. I, you know, it just, it feels so great. So I would say those two things, you know, thinking about what's important to you right now, how can you invite those moments into your life in very small ways? And then how can you connect to something outside of you? Yeah. Is great is a great way to feel purposeful. Yeah, and and, and I, I like before that you you just said very simply like, what if you can't figure out what your purpose is or what's serving you, just to find out what's not in your yeah. life, what's holding you back from feeling what what start what makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. Just people just to even be uh, attached to that is hard for them because they're like. Well, I don't know. I just get up, I go to work, and then I come home, and I, I guess watching TV makes me feel good. But really, truly getting yeah. them in line with who they are because, you know, you can meet someone who's like, you know, I haven't really made or played an instrument since I was 14. Well, you lost that part of you, you mm-hmm. know? We're creative beings. Like, can we give them a sense of purpose, even if that feels good, right? Next thing we know, they make a song, they record a song. That's so cool. Yeah. And you're incredible for doing this for people. Uh, I love that you do that. So, so what's the name of the book? It's called The Core Four, Embrace Your Body, Own Your Power. Okay. Yeah. When is it coming out? So it'll be out July 30th. How do I get it? Anywhere you can get books or your favorite place to get books online. Amazon Prime, because I don't have to wait. Amazon Prime. <laughs> you could probably get it next day if you do Amazon Prime. Yeah, yeah. Okay, beautiful stuff. And um, if someone wants to work with you, do they go on your website? What's the website? stephgodrow.com they can find all the stuff the podcast the program the book everything is kind of in that one central spot okay and are you doing anything i know you're just moving around with this book release anything else in the works that we need to know about gosh that's like the next big thing that's in my brain i have no idea i have a lot of ideas but i had i don't have a clear you know this is what's going to happen next and i think for the first time in my life because i tend to be just a like put your nose to the grindstone like just get it done kind of person i'm trying to take a pause, take a step back and think about what I really want to do next. I don't know. We'll see. Well, you, <laughs> you, you might get it on a post-it note. Yeah. <laughs> Your inspiration on that. It's true. It's possible. And you two have a podcast. What's the name of it? It's called Harder to Kill Radio. Okay. And this is a bomb podcast. I heard a few episodes. Thanks. And it's one of the top ones. You're getting a lot of hits. That's beautiful. Thank so um, ladies and gentlemen, listen to that podcast. Uh, you might find an episode that empowers you too. She's an incredible woman, San Diego. Yep. That's where we find you. Um, yep. Thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you. I'm empowered. Thank you for I, having me. I'm going to go do some uh, post-its because you yeah. told me. I'm going to put it on Instagram. I'm going to tag you because okay. I feel so good. And I challenge you all to do the same thing. Tag both of us. And um, beautiful combo. Thank you. Thank you. All right, what an amazing conversation. Did I not say that this woman is incredible? All right, she delivered. I learned some stuff. I hope you all learned some stuff. And empowering is the word. It's the word of the show. It's a word of that conversation. Uh, I'm so blessed that you all are listening. Please rate, please review, please subscribe. Give us some love, show us some love. Let's hit a million people in one calendar year. That's the push. Love you all. See you next week. <laughs>